bad science did the movie get it right bad science or will we have to fight Hi, everybody. Welcome to Bad Science, a bonus episode. Today, I am talking to Alex Cook. He is the director of photography on the new season of Savage Kingdom, which is narrated by Charles Dance, who played Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones, and it premieres on Friday, August 14th on National Geographic. Welcome to this bonus episode, Alex. Hi, Ethan. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here live from your dad's car. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Excited to be here. Uh, a Toyota. What kind of Toyota? Toyota Sequoia. A fresh, hot, lively Toyota Sequoia. (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful car. So I wanted to ask you about this show, which is fantastic, by the way. Somebody over there sent me the episodes. I watched the first one. It was so great. It looks great. It's suspenseful. And I just wrote down a bunch of different stuff I'm going to ask you about, if that's all right with you. That's great. I'm excited to hear your questions. Okay, so first of all, this was shot in the... Okavango Delta. Am I saying that right? Yeah, the Okavango Delta is correct in northern Botswana. Yes. Okay, so can you tell me a little bit about that? I mean, obviously, we all know that the area was once part of Lake Gandhi, an ancient lake that mostly got dried up by the early Holocene. But what else can you tell us about it? Yeah, so the Okavango Delta is uh, the, one of the largest inland delta systems in the world. And the water comes, for, mainly rainwater, comes down from Angola. And so every year in the delta, we get a seasonal flood, which provides the life of the delta. And so the rains come down from Angola and flow uh, all the way down into the Okavango Delta, which is uh, a series of sand islands that were created by termites, interestingly enough over thousands of years, and now is one of the main wildlife destinations in Southern Africa and in Botswana. So yeah, you have like this area where there's just tons of different types of animals all kind of interacting or I guess attempting to survive uh, according to this series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the series Savage Kingdom was shot in uh, Maremi National Park uh, in a place called Mombo. And mm. Mombo is one island in the, on the northern tip of an island called Chief's Island uh, in the northern part of the Miremi, which is typically surrounded year-round by water. But what happens in this season is due to the drought and the lack of rainwater in Angola and the lack of floodwaters coming down, it creates this uh, passage onto the island. So in this season, we have new characters uh, mainly three male lions that wander into this sort of already established environment. And so it's got the existing characters from Savage Kingdom 3, and then we've got new characters that have now come in and joined the island because of the lack of floodwaters they've been able to come in because it's been drier than in past years. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about, actually. Is that a new phenomenon, or is that like a predictable seasonal thing like does it usually have a a drought or is this like unprecedented no it's not unprecedented about 20 plus years ago the delta was went through massive droughts where the whole system was dry but in the we've had very high floods the last uh i think about five years ago so Mm -hmm. within the last few years this is the driest it's been but it it historically does go through drought systems and how long were you there filming this yeah so this we filmed the season four of Savage Kingdom. It was over about one year of filming, and it 
carried on directly from Savage Kingdom 3. So for the Savage Kingdom series itself, we spent two years in Mombo following all of these animals almost every day. Wow. So you're a resident over there. You know the local spots. Yeah. Yeah. For each, we worked in a team of three cameramen and we went worked on rotating schedules for about two weeks. But mm. uh, we each spent about 250 days a year in Mombo filming for the series. My God. And when you're not on those two weeks, are you just at the local pubs and diners? <laughs> uh, no, as the director of photography for this year, this season, what we would do is we take all the footage that we filmed over that two week period. And we have a base in Mount Botswana, which is the closest town and south of the Okavango Delta. Mm -hmm. And there we, with the Natural History Film Unit, has an office. And so we'd bring all the footage together, download it all, because we'd come back with two, three, four terabytes of footage each week. So we'd download all of that. And then my job was to look through it and start creating and seeing where the stories were going, seeing mm -hmm. who was doing what and try and figure out the storyline for these animals. Yeah, I mean, that's got to be a full-time job of just watching footage, right? Yeah. I mean, that's so much footage. <laughs> yeah, there's thousands and thousands of hours of footage. Oh, the bloopers, though, probably. <laughs> lots and lots of videos of sleeping lions. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, so right at the beginning of this first episode, I'm not giving away spoilers here, but there's some pretty, I mean, I guess it's pretty typical, actually, of like animal documentary stuff where you see animals eating each other. And I was just curious, after a while, like, does it still affect you, I guess, the way that it affects us as viewers watching that? Because I feel like you've probably now seen countless infinite hours of animals tearing each other apart. And for me, it's yeah. still like so nerve wracking, you know? Uh, that's one of the things about Savage Kingdom, which is it's kind of the raw, untamed reality of what happens out there. And yes, being out there and living it and seeing it, you do see a lot of gruesome, what do you call, call gruesome, but it is just natural animal behavior. Right. And you do, you definitely do get desensitized to it because you do, you get used to it. But at the same time, if you think about it, we, we sit with lions for hundreds and hundreds of hours of them doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And then within one hour, you have maybe the most important sequence to film for the whole series so you don't really have much time to think about what's happening or the animal that's being killed because you're so busy thinking about what shots you need to get and how to best tell the story and be able to capture the story that you're witnessing unfold in front of you it's kind of like what they say about undercover agents i guess where it's yeah. like mostly <laughs> sitting there and kind of boring and then it's like all of a sudden you're in the movies and it's like you go you go this person here i need this now exactly exactly i've sat with lions for 15 hours while one day and they moved a hundred feet <laughs> lazy so definitely a lazy a lot, of sitting, a lot of sitting wow okay um i just have so many questions for you it's unbelievable but okay what is it like because i i assume at least from the footage it looks like it's really hot and really dry out there yeah and so if you're out there like you just said for 15 hours how are you surviving the elements sweating a lot you've <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we we live full time in the film vehicles that we film from <laughs> and they're open film vehicles with no sides no windows so you get a lot of fresh airflow but sure you definitely you definitely get hot and one of the funniest things working out there is you spend so much time with these animals is that they get quite used to you i mean you spend 
thousands and thousands of hours with them over a period of a few years. Mm-hmm. And what often happens is you'll be sitting in the sun and they'll be moving in the morning and then it'll come to midday and it'll start getting hotter and you'll be the only shade around. So we've had lions come and fall asleep under the car, oh. the leopard sleeping underneath the car. Wow. And then that's when it gets a bit tricky because then you can't move and you're stuck in the sun. Yeah. So shade shade is definitely a commodity out there at times. Not a great shot either, right? Of like checking no, out how the lion sleeps under the car. Yeah. It's with the lions it's a bit easier because you can usually see a tail sticking out so you know they're still there, but when the leopard comes and sleeps under the car, you have no idea if she's still there or not and there's no way of checking. Oh my god. So you have to keep your head on the 360 spin waiting for her to sneak out the other side. Okay, well, that obviously leads me to ask you if you've ever been attacked by any of these animals or if anybody's been injured, um which I guess I can just skip over my stupid question which was uh <laughs> about your sweating. I was going to ask if you had like ice vests or like slushies in one of those like guzzler hats. <laughs> no, we for the sweating, we drink lots of water, and often there's a an African called sarong called a kakoi, wow. which we'll wet and drape over ourselves, which helps keep us cool. But no, no one's been attacked. We've oh, all been very safe out there. We work in the animals are very habituated. We work mm. in um, a game drive area in with Mombo with wilderness safaris, and so these are animals that are around game drive vehicles and around us, and you, they spend a lot of time with you, and they don't see you as a, a threat. It's more of a big moving rock i like to think that annoyingly follows them around and provides shade at times i mean i would still be scared all the time seeing these (laughs) things but you know fair enough i guess um you guys are very brave and also just tempering the environment there must be so impossible i mean i'm in texas right now and i played tennis for an hour and a half yesterday and i felt like i was dying um okay so you also track the animals i was reading you have some Mm -hmm. expertise in that area so is that like what I'm thinking like in the movies where you're like looking at footprints and smelling droppings. Yeah, no smelling droppings, but definitely lots of lots of lo- looking at footprints. And there's different ways to track the different animals. And it's definitely an acquired skill that we've all had to, all of us cameramen have had to learn over wow. the years of experience and years of being there. And the hardest to find is definitely leopards. And with leopards, you have to take a, you not only have to look at tracks, but one of the, it's so thick and dense in the areas they like to live and operate that one of the best ways is just you switch the car off and sit and listen and you wait for the other animals to find them so you wait for a bird to alarm call or an impala to alarm call and you you learn all these different sounds that the vervet monkeys and the baboons make and you really utilize all of the different um animals to be able to find them wow unbelievable okay so you guys are working together you have your you have a partnership with the animal kingdom out there yeah but it is i mean it is a lot of searching we wake up every morning about an hour before sunrise and i've spent every day for a week searching for leopards and only on day seven find them jeez but it's probably it is the most rewarding thing being able to track something from start to finish finding the tracks in the morning Mm -hmm. following them all day and then being able to find them and not only find them but to then be able to film them and witness sort of what they're doing yeah i mean it definitely has that majestic quality you know just watching this footage feels like i'm seeing something that you know nobody's seen before or people are just like not meant to see somehow you know and i mean you must have like a maybe a deeper calling into this like when i watch this stuff i i start to even just think philosophically about what is our role in the animal kingdom and how are we helping or hurting their quality of life 
So does that have a have a role in this show? Like, do you think people should take away some sort of message on how to live their lives or, or just appreciation for these animals, maybe? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I have a huge appreciation for them. And I'm so lucky to be able to spend so much time seeing animals do what they do. And I think that's the beautiful thing about Savage Kingdom is it is raw, kind of unedited real life behavior so you see the animals doing exactly what they're doing and sometimes that's really really sad and sometimes it's really funny and you know it brings in all these different emotions and i think if there's one thing that people could take away it's just to be able to have a love for wildlife and appreciation to see kind of wildlife at its best whether that's the brutality of it or the beauty of it and to be able to go on and protect it and mm-hmm. be able to allow these animals to live the lives that they do. Have you ever felt the need to intervene during some of these sequences? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I asked the hard hitting questions here, Alex. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. I would say no. Oh, um, because like I said earlier, you're so wrapped up in the filming of it that it sort of takes a bit of the bit of the emotional side away from mm. things. It's often the next day or two days later that the emotions really start to hit in. Oh. Um, as well, I don't want to give away anything, but in previous uh, previous seasons, there's been, we've filmed deaths of, I filmed deaths of lion cubs, deaths of leopard cubs, and things really hard like that. And that's, um, in season three, there was the death of Pula, who's Mutsidi, um, one of the main characters for this season, filmed her um, and her sort of downward demise. And that was really hard to uh, witness because it was so slow and took so much time. But it's usually a few days later that, the emotions started to kick in. Yeah, man, that sounds so tough. Good on you. Okay, so you're a DP. Let's dip our toes into that pool uh, for a yeah, second. Definitely. So are you strapped into a steady cam? Is it all like a camera mounted on a car? Do you build gigantic tracks through Botswana to cart cameras <laughs> on? What's the deal there? Yeah, so we, we operate, like I said earlier, we operate a two-crew system. So we each have two film vehicles, which are outfitted with camera mounts on the side of the car so it's it's a moving home and uh, sort of camera setup so mm. the camera sits in between the passenger and the driver's seat ready to be built because it's a lot of you don't know when anything's going to happen with filming wild dogs you need to be able to chase them for kilometers at a time through thick bush and so you need to be able to grab the camera out put it on the car and shoot straight away and oh. so we have our main setups of those run and gun filming and then for this season, we also used a shot over, which is mounted. Uh, it's a stabilized gimbal system mounted on the front of the vehicle. And that gives you those really beautiful, steady cinematic shots that really pull and tie all the dramatic sequences together with the beauty and highlight kind of this, what's so special about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. So you're not out there uh, by yourself with a camera on you just trying no, to. Okay. We're, yeah, we're operating from the vehicle, but we do spend the night sleeping out there in the bush, just us on the car. And that allows us to hear everything that's going on. And that really helps with what we were saying earlier about the tracking is if you can hear a lion calling at nighttime, you can you can know the the movement to the pride. And you spend so much time out there that you really understand these animals and you understand how they move and why they're going, where they do in their territories. And so if I'm asleep and I, I hear three male lions roaring in the north, I know that the pride of females in the south are not going to be going to the north when I'm trying to find them tomorrow because I know that they can hear them and they're going to be shifting south. Mm. So that, all of that helps with us finding, finding and tracking the animals. That just sounds so terrifying for me 
I've been <laughs> camping once. I spent one night camping. Hated it. Couldn't do it. Did you? Did you grow up like being an outdoorsy kid? Or are you just used to the wilderness? Like it just doesn't affect you as much. Yeah, I, I I grew up outdoors. Grew out camp. Grew up camping, but I I can't say I was immune to it. It's definitely you get have to get used to it. I remember I'd been in Botswana working for Natural History Film, Film Unit for about six months before I was uh, left alone in a vehicle by myself and made the mistake it was really dry and I made the mistake of sleeping up near one of the watering holes where all the elephants were coming to and I had screaming elephants running through past the car at a full moon and I I think I slept about 20 minutes that night and kept on driving around trying to find a place with no elephants to sleep <laughs> but you do learn with with the experience out there you do learn the best places to sleep and you learn yeah safe spots and where you're not going to be interfering with the animals so you never sleep on an elephant path because they're natural highways and animal corridors that they'll use and we like to try and sleep next to a big tree because we think we sort of blend into it but i have woken up before with a leopard sitting in the tree oh above God. me while we were asleep i'm so shocked 90 percent so. of you were not killed doing this i don't <laughs> get it also not sleeping in the elephant's path seems like a good just universal rule uh, yeah definitely a good one to learn yeah yeah um and why did they send you out there alone is that common protocol or were you like a rookie were they trying to yeah, my boss needed to go back to town. And so I was left out there. But we work, we operate by ourselves. So I live. Um, oh, that's normal. Yeah, we live, we work and operate by ourselves. Wow. Um, with the shot over, we needed, we have a team of two people because someone needs to drive uh, while the cameraman operates the, the gimbal system yeah. of films. But yeah, typically, um, one person in the car sometimes we'll have two, we'll shoot two cameramen in the car to be able to better cover sequences. But it's a lot of times out there sleeping alone by yourself. <laughs> wow, that is unbelievable. Are you, I mean, do you bring books? Do you have a Nintendo Switch? Yeah, no Nintendo Switch. Uh, lots of books. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of sitting mentally encouraging lines to move. <laughs> yeah, the, the thing about being out there is you often need to be more aware than the lions because they'll be fast asleep and uh, you'll sit 50, 100 feet back to be able to let everything unfold and that was one of the things is you have to be able to give these animals so much space to be able to let the natural course of action take place wow. and so often you'll be sitting back if there's shade under shade uh, waiting for something to happen and you've got to be you have to be ready for the impala to walk in because our cameras take about a minute to turn on which was the bane of our existence because you have to know a minute before anything's going to happen to turn your camera on because you have to be wow. ready so always watching and listening what's up with these camera developers they don't have cameras that just boot yeah. on what's going on <laughs> yeah uh, they they have very, very good cameras, but they do take a while to All turn right. on. What kind of cameras are they? Let's shout them out. We shoot, for this series, we shot exclusively on red. We shoot on red okay. cameras. Uh, so shooting in 6K, which allows us to deliver the product in very high quality. Yeah. So, okay, red cameras from me and mostly yeah. from Alex Cook. Speed up your on time. <laughs> what are you doing? These people are out here. He's sleeping with lions over here. Red. How hard is it? My phone turns on. Okay. I'm not going to get into it. Um, okay. This is all fascinating. I, I can't thank you enough for joining me. Um, what was it? Oh, I was just curious on the books that you're reading. Are you reading novels? Are you reading? What are you reading out there? Anything, anything and everything that uh, gets given to me. Just <laughs> You don't even care at this point. <laughs> uh, it's too many to list. I think I read about f one time I recorded it. I read about 40 books in three months Whoa. so you go through the it's a lot of sitting so you go through 
anything I can get my hands on. Wow. Okay. Any recommendations? Uh, Homo Deus. Homo Deus. Uh, Writing it down. And Sapiens by Noah Yuval Harari. Okay, fantastic. I feel like if it makes the top of your list and you're reading, you know, with a lion near you, 40 books in three months, then I got it. It's worth it for me to check it out. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, Mr. Cook, thank you so much for joining me. I hope Thanks everybody watches me. the show. No, please. It's my pleasure. It's Savage Kingdom. It comes out on Friday. It sure does. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Enjoy your dad's car. Uh, I will do. All right. Peace out. <laughs> Bye. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Emily Feld. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger. Our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. I love you. Don't tell my girlfriend. And the executive powerful punching shrimp producer is Brett Kushner. Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver. But it does help. It makes sure people know about the podcast, which we really appreciate. Thanks for listening. Bye.